Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald. New Frontiers in Functional Medicine is here every month, bringing you the best minds in functional medicine. And we would not be able to do this over the years without the generous contributions from our sponsors, Metagenics, Integrative Therapeutics, and Biotics Research. The mission of Metagenics is to lead the movement in making personalized nutritional intervention the standard of care in the treatment and prevention of disease and the promotion of optimal health. For over 30 years, Metagenics has been dedicated to scientific discovery, innovative products, unparalleled quality, education, and practitioner partnerships to support lifestyle functional nutrition. For more information, visit Metagenics at metagenics.com. Biotics Research. For four, over 40 years, the foundations of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And today, of course, is no exception. I am really excited to be talking to Dr. Marvin Singh. Let me give you a smidge of his background, and we're going to jump right in. Um, but I do want to say, uh, before we jump in, if you are enjoying these podcasts, and actually, I hear really lovely um, bits and pieces from y'all all the time and I just appreciate so much your feedback um, and if you are so inclined to swing over to iTunes and leave us a review I would be most grateful all right let me talk a little bit about dr. Singh he um, after completing his residency in internal medicine at the University of Michigan and going on to complete a fellowship in gastroenterology hepatology at Scripps Clinic uh, Dr. Singh went on to become an assistant professor at John, Johns Hopkins and UCLA. Um, he's also a, an assistant clinical professor at UCSD. Actually, currently he is. Um, he enjoys collaborating with scientists and researchers to learn about new technologies, and we're going to pick his brain on that today. Um, he's a contributing faculty member at Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Health, and he in, uh, completed a fellowship in integrative medicine there as well. Um, he is on the American Board of Integrative Medicine. He's speaking with A4M. Uh, he educates other physicians on uh, optimizing gut and whole health. He's an early adapter to many of the uh, emerging technologies that we have, uh, including artificial intelligence. We'll be picking his brain on that, especially how he's bringing it into gastroenterology. Um, and what else? He actually, so this is what prompted our paths to cross in the first place, Dr. Singh. You are editing Oxford University second edition of Integrative Gastroenterology with Jerry Mullen, and I'm contributing a chapter with Nikki Contractor. 
to your book. And so that's how we originally met. And it, it's it's about to be out, right? It's going, it's it's hot, almost hot off the presses. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that awesome introduction, by the way. Um, yeah, the book will be out, uh, we hope, sometime in September, perhaps late September. So not not very far along. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, folks, we'll definitely have it in the newsletter. We'll give it a really big shout out. It's exciting, exciting, and really good work. Uh, Dr. Singh, I know you you and Jerry Mullen have just been working on this forever. <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> serious like labor it. of love. Yeah, but it's, it's just quality content, and I know clinicians are going to benefit from it quite a bit. So, you're a gastroenterologist by training, but you, you're just an early adopter to all this new technology that clinicians have available to us. And I want to hear about that and how you're bringing that into gastroenterology. And actually, you're leapfrogging even, you're, you're, you're practicing whole person medicine too. But let's just go back and talk about A, you know, your journey of getting into medicine and then specifically moving into integrative medicine. I mean, was that on your radar back when you were you know, getting your pre-meds or was it always something you were thinking about or did you, how'd you come upon, how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, not at all, actually. So I'm, I'm a pretty conservative guy um, and grew up even, you know, very conservatively education wise, uh, went to medical school and did residency in internal medicine at the University of Michigan, which is a very, uh, very good top level hospital, but very conservative hospital as well. And uh, when I finished my GI training and got into practice, I joined, uh, you know, Johns Hopkins' faculty, which is another very, very top-level uh, institution, which I have a lot of respect for, but also conservative as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into private practice after uh, my tenure at Hopkins, and I think I, you know, still a young doctor and started to feel a little bit lost in my own journey as a provider. I kind of felt Why like, is that? kind of felt like, you know, we have a lot of tools that we can use to help people. If somebody is dying or they're bleeding in the hospital, we can save their life. If, um, you know, somebody has cancer, we have chemotherapy, we have these kind of things, but those aren't a the majority of the people coming to the office, the people that are coming to the office are often people that have been bouncing around from doctor to doctor with chronic, chronic problems, chronic symptoms that just won't go away, that they just kept getting, you know, pushed around from place to place. And I kind of felt lost. I kind of, mm. I guess I kind of took that personally as, you know, am I, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Should I even be a doctor? I kind of had wow. this kind of moment where I question you know, maybe I should just go open a bagel shop somewhere or something, you know, literally. And then, so, you know, I I was a little lost in my early career. Um, I was a good doctor, a good gastroenterologist, but I just kind of felt like something was missing there. And, um, my, my wife, uh, had always been the one who was more into integrative uh, functional stuff. And she says, why don't you just, uh, take a look at some of you know, some books on integrative medicine. And I was kind of like, no, no, this is kind of wasted time for a while. And then eventually she just went and bought the first edition of integrative gastroenterology uh, for me. And she said, here, just look at it. And so um, I I begrudgingly looked at it. And I guess this is a lesson to all the guys out there. Listen to your wives. (laughs) It says amazing. Good for her. Good for her. And um, so I looked at it. I, first place I went, I said, okay, let's see what they say about IBD, you know, because that's like 
a big thing. Let's see sure. what they say about IBS. Yeah. And I see this book and I, you know, um, looking at the chapters and reading it, it sounds very interesting. They're citing literature, they're evidence-based. And then I look and I see, you know, the editor of this book is, <laughs> is Jerry Mullen. Right. And I said, you know, Jerry was like, you know, one of the only guys at Hopkins that actually befriended me <laughs> wow. when I was faculty. It just, it, incidentally, I didn't know anything about like this integrative stuff, you know. Yeah. And so then I emailed him. Um, this is a true story. You know, I emailed huh. Jerry and I said, hey, you know, I was looking at the book and this, this is what's going on. And you know, what do you think? And um, then we spoke and he said, you know, I think you should look into Andy Weil's fellowship in integrative medicine. Okay. And so um, I looked it up um, and I thought this is interesting. And I, I just took a leap of faith. So that was my point where I said, let me just see where this takes me. And I, I signed up and I went, uh, you know, started doing the learning. I went for my first residential week and I was doing yoga, I was doing Tai Chi, I was doing learning about herbs, I was learning about nutrition, and it was just like, whoa, what is all this stuff? Were you open you know, like, at this point, or were you still a little bit like... I was opening, <laughs> <laughs> but this this just flew the door right open. You know? I was like, whoa, what is this? And I came back, and I just felt like I just had a complete reboot of my whole body, my life, my how I even felt personally, and... I was excited, and then Jerry, wow. I, I told Jerry, this is awesome. Thanks for telling me. And then he says, okay, since you like it so much, let's, um, let's have you uh, write a book chapter with me. So we wrote a book chapter on in the Integrative Environmental Medicine book on chemicals and toxins and the gut, and that just wow. really opened my eyes to like all the literature. I'm like, wow, this is so much literature out there. Why aren't people talking about this? Yeah, stuff? that's right, right. And that's so right. that kind of lit my lit my fire. And then I started so using started using some of this stuff in my yeah. own life. And as soon as I kind of got a handle of it, within about three or four months, I lost thirty plus pounds. Mm. And so then, you know, when you, when you apply that to your own health and your own life and you see the benefits in that, um, yeah. it just kind of exponentially, you know, excites your passion. And then um, uh, later on, I was offered the opportunity to co-edit the Integrative GI book, second edition, which is the book you're referring to. And I find it uh, really funny that the book that actually brought me into the field is the one that I am now an, an editor of. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. That's a great story. Um, funny so how you, life works. It's really funny. So Jerry was the only nice guy. He's such a He's just such <laughs> there a There are great other nice guy. guys. I shouldn't say that, but he was the nicest guy to me at that right, time. Right, <laughs> right. God, little and did we're, you know. And we're very good friends now. So yeah, he's a good. He's he's a he's a good egg. He's a really good person. Um, so you know, just thinking through what you've told me, you are you're clearly good at heroic gastroenterology. You can get it done, right? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can, and that's what you learned. But then you're in yeah. practice, and you're not practice. You don't get to do that every day. In fact, you're actually probably, you know, suppressing symptoms with proton pump inhibitor, you know, or whatever you're doing, you're shutting, you're attempting to shut things down, but mm -hmm. people are clearly not getting better early in your career. And you went through what I remember my existential um, philosophy professor said, the ontological abyss, <laughs> like, yeah. who am I? You're like, what am I? Yeah. And you then can that see, I, I guess I kind of had this kind of, uh, now you can kind of see where my career path has taken me. I realized that there are two kinds of doctors. There's the kind of doctor that can take care of you when you're sick and you're about to die and you need help. 
And then there's the kind of doctor who wants to keep you from getting to that point in the first place. Yeah. And right now I do both. And that's what's exciting to me because it's nice to have a variety. I guess it keeps my brain thinking. They call me when I'm on call in the hospital. Somebody's vomiting blood. You know, they're going to need a PPI because we want to save their life. We don't, yes. We're not worrying about magnesium deficiency at that moment. We want them yes. to not die. You know, right. So we're going to take care of them. But then after that time period, then I can help them get off of the PPI so that they don't develop some of these chronic issues and symptoms. That's great. Okay. We're, and we're, I want to actually talk to you a little bit about both both of your, um, both hats. But I'm, I also am curious, just briefly, what, what, you turned your own health around. I'm assuming that you've influenced your wife or your wife clearly influenced you. And I know you've got, you know, two young kids at home as well. What, mm-hmm. were, some, what, what were some of the things that you did to, that prompted you to kind of sit up and be like, wow, you know, there's something to this integrative medicine. Like, did you do an elimination diet? You started pro, I mean, just out of oh, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really funny how, you know, and, and, you know, obviously I was a little overweight. I had fatty liver. My liver enzymes were elevated. That's kind of part of my story. And I was also worried about my own health because I have a family history of, you know, dyslipidemia and coronary disease. But, you know, at that time as a doctor, I thought I was doing the right things. You know, I'm eating healthy because I'm not eating a burger at lunch like everybody else is from, you know, Wendy's, for example. I'm taking a a Coke Zero, a bag of, you know, low-fat chips and a sandwich. I mean, that, right. that's kind of like, you know, I'm not eating the donuts at work. You know, that's good, yeah. right? So I'm healthy. But this is kind of like the farce that we, that many of us live inside of, even doctors, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you should mention what kind of nutrition training you did get yeah. as a gastroenterologist. <laughs> Very little. I mean, I mean, like, I, I, I'm the GI, right? You would think yeah. that we have, like, this intensive nutrition training about what is this and what is that and and really not i mean you'll have like a couple of lectures maybe on tube feeds and like just Mm. impractical stuff for day-to-day you know basis right Uh, i really learned all this stuff from the fellowship and then what the fellowship did was not like give me volumes and volumes of knowledge it gave me a lot of knowledge but then gave me the motivation to go out and learn more. I mean, I've read yes. hundreds of books since then. So now, now I'm reading about transcendental meditation. I'm reading about quantum theory. I'm reading about nutrition. I'm reading about the origin of man. I'm reading about all these kind of things because now I realize that all these different pieces of knowledge, while they may seem unrelated, really are all related to the same thing, which is yeah. how to be healthy and well and live long. That's, that's what we want ultimately. Geez, I love it. That's just really, that's, that's a really lovely story. What are some of the books that are jumping out? Like, what, what, what would you recommend? So our audience, a lot of the folks mm-hmm. listening to us are actually clinicians. Not, uh, yeah, they're not, yeah. but they're not different, that different from you. A lot of folks who, who are transitioning into integrative slash functional medicine, you know, from some from, from being really superb doctors in sort of the greater medical model now kind of zeroing in. And so there's a good, a good, a good group of those folks with us. And, and I'm sure your story resonates loudly for many. So yeah. what, just, just out of curiosity, Marvin, what, what, what were some of the key books that you might suggest? Uh, one, of the, one of the really cool books that I read just lately was called Sapiens. 
I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's a really good book because, you know, we often talk about how did our ancestors eat? Eat like your ancestors, do this and do that. And people come up with all kinds of theories. But I, I was like, I want to actually read a book about the history of human beings and how we actually, you know, came to be. And it's, and it's really not what a lot of people proclaim that it is, you know. So, you know, um, so that, that was a good book. And one of the most influential people, I always tell people, um, uh, in my thought process and how I, uh, you know, look at people was actually Dan Siegel still is Dan Siegel. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a psychiatrist. Um, and the, one of the best books that I read, uh, was Mindsight, M-I-N-D-S-I-G-H-T. And then he has another book called The Mind after that. And those books were very influential to me. And you're like, why is a gastroenterologist reading psych- psychiatry you know, yeah, type that, of yeah. book? But, you know, th- there is a huge mind-gut component. And yes. how people think and act and behave and feel affects gastrointestinal symptoms. We actually now know that it actually affects the microbial ecology in the gut. Yeah. And so learning about where some of these thoughts and feelings might come from and helping people understand, you know, uh, why they feel certain ways and, and how to kind of work and adapt to that and, and reprogram how they think can actually make a substantial impact on how they feel from a GI perspective and whole body, you know, there's a, you know, and one of the things that helped expedite my, um, weight loss um, was actually mindfulness and meditations. I found that, you know, I, you asked me what I did uh, with my diet and health and stuff. Um, you know, one of the first things I did was the obvious, you know, got rid of the sodas, got rid of the extra carbs, cleaned it up, started eating only organic, started pushing a lot of the vegetables, started using flax and chia and smoothies, you know, the things like that, that seemed like kind of common sense. But I didn't know, you know, I'm, I was a doctor. I still didn't know. And then the weight started coming down and then I kind of, I think I felt like I hit a plateau a little bit, maybe around 15, 20 pounds range. And then, um, you know, I knew about the mindfulness and the meditation and all that stuff, but then I started really going a little bit harder on that. And then I felt like I just kind of started coming down. So the stress response, modifying stress is actually a huge component. We talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, but it actually can affect your weight. I mean, so like if you're doing all these other things, but you're stressed out all the time and you're not, you know, reducing stress, you're not taking the yeah. time to be present, that can actually hold you back. Yeah. And so can sleep. So we always talk about how important sleep is too. And so but you actually you experienced know, those personally the importance of the, that's yeah. fa- that's really fabulous. I'm and sure. So that, we were talking that, earlier about like, you know, uh, how I got in a personalized medicine. I guess I didn't really, uh, now that I'm telling you this story, I didn't really realize, uh, I didn't really explain to you. Now you probably understand how I came to yeah, yeah, it makes this sense. point in my life and my career because I started doing, you know, nutritional genetics tests on myself. I started doing microbiome tests on myself. I started doing food sensitivity, chemical sensitivity tests on myself. I started modifying my behaviors based on that. And Mm -hmm. then I saw that this stuff, once you actually use the information that you know about your body, can actually help you refine your thought process on your own health because 
nobody can tell you, yeah, drink four cups of coffee a day because it's good for fatty liver, you know, because I have fatty liver, right? But I have a, you know, gene snip for caffeine. So if I do that, I might have a higher risk of hypertension later on in life. So, you know, you want to kind of understand how to modify your um, behaviors based on what you're made up of because nobody can tell you that unless you, unless you know your information. Everybody's different. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's exciting. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me why you really zoomed out into this personalized medicine, into the thick of the personalized medicine revolution out yeah. there in, in California. Um, let me think. There was another question that I wanted to ask you in this world. Um, go ahead and feel, you know, just it's, it's fine for you to, if you mention, if you want to mention any labs that you've used, if they're going to be useful to clinicians, there's a lot of genetic assays out there. In fact, I know you're already using some epigenetic stuff. You and I talked about that, but stool testing. Uh -huh. So if you want to mention things that you're using in clinical practice, um, that you think will be helpful to our audience by all means do. So, um, so you started to, oh, I know what I was going to talk to you about, Marvin. The gut, so the gut, going back to the gut-brain axis, I, you know, we are what we eat. And I think the data, and you're, um, you're more, way more current on this and, prop, and, 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 and deep in this than I am, but the, you know, the fact that we can produce, you know, plenty of neurotransmitters in our gut that will, inter, that, that will in, influence what's happening in our central nervous system, or we can produce precursors or even sort of, um, endotoxins that will kind of influence neurotransmitter production and behavior and in the in, 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 in feelings and cravings, et cetera. Like that, the mm -hmm. gut brain axis, like we are what, we are what our gut bugs eat, I think basically exactly. is, is pretty, a pretty reasonable statement. Would you concur? Yeah. You are not what you eat. You are what they eat. Yes. <laughs> so and actually, are they, are they happy actually Jerry or not? said that. That's Jerry's quote. <laughs> I won't steal it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you're not what you eat you're what they eat yeah <laughs> so Good. yeah that's very true that's very true I have a there was a blog I wrote some some years ago I had a patient well we all have patients who repeatedly kind of have an incredibly difficult time moving through their cravings sort of detoxing from mm -hmm. sugar and simple carbohydrates and this patient repeatedly despite her best efforts and how much better she would feel when she would transition for you know a day or so she would inevitably sort of relapse in a in a sugar binge of one form or another and 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 she would be a different person and i remember one day her, she she threw herself into my office and she had this look of you know, distress and guilt and talked, you know, proceeded to tell me what she had eaten. And, and I said to her, you know, who am I talking to you or your gut bugs? You know, who's in the driver's seat? You said that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And I actually blogged about it. Yeah, I, I blogged about it. And she later got in contact with me and she's like, hey, that sounds really familiar. But it was, <laughs> but it's true. You know, who's, who, you know, it's like, are, the, are you the marionette for your bugs? You know, who's yeah. running the show here? And yeah. the other thing I'll say, and then I want to just get back to you, is one of the things I have observed is that when people can kind of let themselves go through that detox you know, the changing of the microbial guards from, mm -hmm. say, full tilt, sugar, carb, whatever their addiction is, to kind of cleaning it out and changing the ratio of microbes, um, that the cravings will subside. And, you know, exactly. they'll develop some sort of some resistance potential. You, is that what you've seen? Yeah. I mean, even in my own personal health, I mean, if you say, here, take a sip of Coke, 
or Coke Zero like I used to have in lunch every day, it's disgusting to me. You know, like I, I don't even like it. It's it's like not even a thought on my mind like, oh, I wish I could have a Coke, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, you definitely do change, you know, like my cravings now are for asparagus and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So that's it's funny, cool. you know, and it's not like I'm just saying that. It's actually this the truth. Yeah, ask my wife, you know, if, if if I had to pick what I would eat at, you know, I say, do you have any asparagus or any Brussels sprouts? You know, this, that's what I like these days. That's, that's and, awesome. And, you know, eating is not just a microbial experience. It's a whole body experience. I was just reading some literature recently and we kind of get into this in the integrative GI book that's coming out. Um, when, when you eat, the process of eating doesn't just start when the food is already chewed up in your stomach. It starts with yes. the smell, That's the right. appearance, yep. the taste when you put it in your mouth, what happens when it goes down to the digestive tract, the chemicals that are released from the microbes and from, your, from the gut lining. And you know what? It, it, all of this is packaged and stored, you can imagine, as just a little bundle in a part of your brain as a memory. And so, you know, that's, I think this is where the whole idea of comfort foods comes from. Mm -hmm. When you feel like, oh, I'm sad, you're not thinking about this consciously. You, don't, you can't really remember necessarily like, oh, when I was three years old and I fell off my bike and I was really sad and crying, my grandma made me you know, mac and cheese and that made me feel better. Yes. And now, now I'm 20 years old and every time I'm sad, I want to eat mac and cheese because that makes me feel better. That's yes. because your brain is such a, the brain is such a fascinating organ that it remembers and it'll trigger, it'll say, oh, you're sad? Oh, let me go to this bundle memory. This bundle memory says mac and cheese. Okay. Because mac and cheese did this to you inside your body and this is what you're feeling that you need. So let's make you have mac and cheese. Oh, now I have a craving for mac and cheese, you know, and that, that's yeah. kind of, this is how it works. It's a whole body experience and it's bundled in these little packages of information in our brain and tucked away for the day that you need it. So I can, you know, in my practice, kind of guide people through that sort of detox journey. And I usually say, listen, buy, get yourself a ton of, you know, bust out your Netflix subscription, you know, <laughs> curl up somewhere and just kind of let yourself feel lousy for a little mm -hmm. while as you detox off of whatever your food addictions are. I mean, just listening to what you're saying, would you add anything to that? I mean, what's your prescription when you're moving somebody onto, when you're transitioning them onto a better, a healthier way of eating? Like, how do they I, get through it? Yeah, I, I usually will never tell anybody you got to go from zero to hero. You know, that's kind of one of my sayings. We're not going to go from eating Wendy's every day to eating Brussels sprouts all day long. You know, it's, it's, it's a process and it's a gradual process. And there's no rush because this is why we call it lifestyle medicine. It's for your life. It's not for 10 days from now. This is not a diet to lose 10 pounds for the wedding. This is a way of eating for your life. And so I, I coach people and I say, you know, if you can make one change a week, then that's good. So if that means that instead of ice cream in the nighttime, you're going to have mixed berries with some cinnamon sprinkled on top and some walnuts in, in exchange, then that's progress. And what you find is that when they make the one change per week, they start noticing how they feel better after a few weeks. And then you may have told them one change per week, but they're actually now doing two or three changes per week. 
they feel more energetic, so they want to exercise. They, they start exercising, then they start sleeping better. They're exercising and sleeping better. They say, oh, what about this meditation thing he talked about? Let me try that now. And then they do that. And then you see how everything just kind of snowballs in the right direction instead of snowballing in the wrong direction. Yeah, right. And then well, they forgot that they really even liked ice cream at night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this content, you might want to know about our functional medicine clinic immersion programs available to all qualified practitioners who want to advance their applied clinical skills and build confidence in helping even their toughest cases. Delivered fully online, our program provides live mentorship option, access to our clinic's discussions of real patient cases, teach-ins with expert colleagues, and the opportunity to become part of an engaged and nurturing community of peers. Most importantly, you'll get the support you need to bridge the gap between functional medicine theory and practice. Spaces for a one-year mentorship option are limited, so early application is advised. Please visit drcarefitzgerald.com, choose the Professionals tab, and select Professional Education Programs to find out more about the options available and to apply. And now back to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. Right, right. Well, will you prescribe a full elimination where you're pulling somebody off of the top antigenic foods and then do a challenge? I mean, will you do you use that in your practice? Or Yeah, I mean, well, some people have symptoms to certain things and some people don't have symptoms to certain things. And there are certain foods that you want people to kind of avoid in general. So it kind of really depends on the who person. the person is and what's going on with them. Yeah. Um, and if they have any particular concerns, you know, there are a lot of people who want to optimize their health and they say, I'm healthy. I have no problems. I don't have any symptoms. But, you know, you got to work through some of that because no matter how healthy you think you are, there are still issues inside your body in the way that the biology is working, most likely, because well, I don't think there's a perfect person out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No, no. just kidding. Um, <laughs> none of the biohackers out there in your neck of the woods. Um, okay, listen. Let me. Let, I want to talk a little bit about your practice, this, um, and how you created it, and then I want to talk. You know, your your personalized um, lifestyle medicine practice, and how you. Yeah, and then we'll move over and and we'll talk a little gastroenterology to wrap up here. But okay. so so you're doing. You, through your own experience, which makes a whole lot of sense to me, since mm -hmm. you just walked us through, that you really want to practice full tilt systems medicine. I love it. It's really inspirational. And I think it's, it's inspiring to folks listening to us, especially because you really came from very mainstream gastroenterology slash academic medicine. So right. bravo exactly. you. And um, why? So how, how did you hang out your own shingle? From what I understand, you actually created your own practice in personalized lifestyle medicine slash systems medicine. So how did you do it? Um, are you accepting insurance? What does it look like? What is the, what is the model that you're using look like? And, um, and then I want to talk a little more granular about some of the tools you're using that we might be into. Well, we're working on the process right now because what, what I'm doing right now uh, is within my current practice and we're shifting towards me uh, opening a separate entity to uh, do this out of. Unfortunately, you know, the way functional integrative medicine works, um, insurance payers don't pay for that. They don't pay for any of these, many of these tests. Um, they're not going to pay for whole genome sequencing. They're not going to pay for you know, 90 minute evaluations and things like that. And, 
Um, that's just the nature of the world we live in right now. I wish it was, um, but uh, uh, insurance is very limited as far as what you can do. I mean, some basic tests, you know, when we, whenever we can, we try to use things. Yep. For example, the Cleveland Heart Lab is now uh, purchased by Quest. So yeah. that's actually, actually turned out to be a pretty cool thing because yep. anybody can go to Quest really and you can get some really cool, you know, NMR lipid panels and, you yeah. know, check your TMAO level and, you know, uh, all these kind of other things there. Even MTHFR now you can do for a pretty, pretty good price. I mean, their insurance covers that because it's a Quest lab. So when whenever we can, we try to use those kind of things. But many of these tests, um, they don't take insurance either. Yes, that's right. So One day maybe. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, okay, so you're still, you're practicing in a larger multidisciplinary setting. Is that is 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 where you're practicing primarily in in the insurance model, or is it outside of it? Yeah, so my GI practice, uh, my regular GI practice, is just like any other doctor's standard. office you walk into. It's just your standard insurance-based GI practice, and I do all the precision wellness on the weekends and after hours. So, uh, got it. Um, and I have my own assistant for that, and it's a little bit of a different setup. So. That's how we do that. We don't, you know, because it, it's too complicated for me just logistically to kind of interweave a 90-minute visit in the middle of 20-minute follow-ups. It's, it's a totally sure. different ballgame. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure. And then I also take call for the hospital. So I keep, you know, uh, my feet wet uh, with regards to, you know, really acute care medicine. I get called in the middle of the night if there's a food impaction or a variceal bleed. So I'm, I'm really kind of a man of all trades. I do, I do it all. That's pretty, that's amazing. That's, you're working a lot of hours, it sounds like, these days. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing Making a lot. Making sure I get my seven hours of sleep, though. <laughs> good, good, good for you. Um, okay, so you're just kind of piecemealy, piecemeal moving into personalized medicine when you well, can yeah, fit I mean, it I, I, Yeah, it, it's not at the point where I'm doing that 100% because I, I feel that I need to continue doing regular uh, gastroenterology and learning about the latest drugs and techniques and things like that, because that makes it more pertinent and helps keep me well-rounded mm -hmm. because integrative medicine doesn't mean you forget all the traditional stuff. I mean, somebody could be coming to you with chronic abdominal pain being passed around from, you know, provider to provider. And you realize that, Hey, you know, uh, nobody did a CAT scan. This guy has pancreatic cancer, you know? So, you know, it's good to keep that conventional hat on sometimes and yeah. not, forget that some people may come to you with things that may not sound like they are a real problem, but they actually might. And I have seen plenty of people, particularly as, you know, the years are more recent, uh, uh, presenting with severe problems like people in their 30s with colon cancer. You know, you wouldn't ordinarily think Somebody with 30 in their 30s having abdominal pain and cramping with a little bit of bleeding, you would say, oh, you have IBS with constipation and hemorrhoidal bleeding. And if, you know, they could go around there to there, doctor to doctor, and yeah. uh, eventually, you know, if you didn't think maybe this guy needs a colonoscopy and they have a colon cancer, then you didn't think about it. You missed it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, if they did a colonoscopy and there's nothing there, then that's great. Then I can talk to them about how their philosophy is with regards to their management. Do you prefer natural treatments? Do you not care? Do you not want natural treatments? You know, I, I can kind of go either way, whatever the patient wants, because the patient's yeah. always the boss.
Yeah, right. I got it. Okay, so just I want to just finish up with your um, your the the personalized uh, medicine uh, clinic that you're that you're kind of evolving here. Mm-hmm. Any any tests standing out? Any interventions? Anything you want to just mention that you're particularly excited about that our listeners might be into hearing about? Yeah, I'm really excited about uh, one test called Chronomics. It's, I think we briefly talked about that. Yep. They are. Uh, a company in London that uh, can, they have two kinds of tests. One is whole genome sequencing with epigenetics, and then they can do just the epigenetics, where they're basically looking at methylation across the genome and helping you understand um, what your biological age is, uh, as opposed to your chronological age uh, based on your birth date. Kind of like looking, you know, uh, if you chopped a tree down and you looked at the rings on the tree, you can kind of approximate how old the tree is. This is kind of a way that we can do that with our DNA, which um, they feel is much more, is much better than looking at telomeres, which is kind of what uh, many of us may be doing. And that's what I had been doing as well. So I'm kind of moving towards that. Um, uh, there are companies that there's a company here called sun genomics in San Diego, actually, that is doing microbiome analysis and, um, helping you understand where, where in the microbiome you may have some deficiencies and, um, helping you create a precision probiotic for that. Oh, is you that know, right? So, yeah. So there, there's a lot of exciting companies. These are like uh, all the time I'm hearing about new companies and new tests and things yep. like that. And I think what's awesome in this whole movement towards precision medicine is that um, it's uh, really sparking the innovative flair um, among mm-hmm. scientists to try to figure out what else. I mean, yes. there's a company called Excella um, that I'm starting to work with and they're looking at uh, microbial and microbial-related metabolites in the blood. So they say, you know, you don't need to do a microbiome stool test because what's most important is what the metabolites in the blood are <laughs> from the microbes because that's what's going to tell you how the microbes are working. So, yeah, right. you know, and I think, you know, my approach is that I don't just say, okay, well, then that's the one test I'm going to do, period. Right, and, right. and my whole program revolves around one test. You know, there there are and can be discrepancies there, uh, you know, between two different tests that are looking at the same thing. Um, what's important is to look at a variety of different tests, perhaps build themes, correlations, and patterns so yes. that you can understand, you know, this really is a picture of dysbiosis. This really is a picture of leaky gut or inflammation. And based on this person's life and their experiences and what medications they're on and what diet they're on, um, what their family history is, what toxins they're exposed to, what their levels of toxins are. This yep. is how I'm going to guide them. This is what I'm going to tell them what to do, how they're going to eat, how they should exercise, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I do, I definitely agree that, um, well, A, we really need to kick the tires of some of this new technology and really try it out. And mm-hmm. my experience is, is that, you know, you can generally negotiate some sort of a, trial with the lab if you reach out and let them know you want to bring it into practice so you can try it out and really really vet it with your with your patients but but that's but you're right Marvin like as you and I were just talking about earlier you know we are cutting the edge right now and so some of these things are going to stay with us and evolve and expand and some of the interventions we're using now are going to fall to the wayside when we realize they're not quite as 
spectacular. And who knows, maybe, um, you know, maybe that lab that you just mentioned, was it Excella? Maybe they'll be uh -huh. right that we'll, we'll, we'll say, yeah, we don't really care about the microbiome. I find that a little bit hard to believe that we'll only care about the, the um, metabolites <laughs> produced by said microbiome. But, it, you know, I, I think yeah. well, a lot of I, us I say, lot of us say it doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't matter yeah. which microbes are there. It matters what's happening inside the ecosystem. Well, yes, that's that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. But I didn't, you know, but those microbes, their activities change. <laughs> exactly. Quickly. So exactly. Well, that's why you have to. Keep, it's not just a static test. Like you could that's check right. your whole genome, and then you never have to check it again because your genome is your genome. But that's right. It's the microbiome. Yeah. That's the that's the thing that changes all the time. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what are some of the interventions that you're prescribing that are really foundational? And I want to just, before you jump in, I want to say, I just want to ask you, because I'm curious, patients and clinicians alike are really pretty gaga about spore probiotics. Yeah. And there's a lot of new spore probiotic companies coming out. And I definitely will, will, will hear some good outcome uh, from patients with various preparations. But I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm, I know the literature on, Spore probiotics is in its infancy. Probiotic literature in general is kind of in its infancy, although yeah. Metchnikoff was writing about it way back in the day. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Like, what, is your, what are your thoughts on probiotics? I think, I think they're awesome. I, I think one of the leaders in spore-based probiotics is Microbiome Labs um, uh, with the oh, Megaspore right. um, yeah. probiotic yeah. that they have. And, they have, uh, and they're driving the literature as well. You know, um, Kieran Krishnan has helped, you know, produce papers about how spore-based probiotics can help with uh, intestinal permeability or leaky gut. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I, you know, look at which companies I use for products or tests, I try to look at, you know, the quality of the science and scientists behind um, the, the product. And... Um, that, uh, that company microbiome labs is one of the ones on the forefront with regards to gut health as well. So I kind of use a lot of their stuff as well. How are you analyzing leaky gut? I mean, how are you diagnosing that? Mm, so that's a good question. Um, so I look at a couple of different things to get an idea. Um, I yep. don't just go based on one test alone. So there may be a stool, you know, a stool exam where we're looking at zonulin and other kind of inflammatory markers. Um, I may look at, you know, like uh, metabolomic, meta you know, metabolites um, from certain tests like we just mentioned. And then I, I like Cyrex labs, you know, I okay. use Cyrex a lot. Yep. So they look at a lot of the antibodies to, they have a whole intestinal permeability screen. So that's yep. kind of a, you know, and then, and then I see that, you know, if all different components are giving me this, you know, uh, feeling for leaky gut, then I say you have leaky gut. Mm -hmm. If it's like you got maybe half a marker in one place, but everything else looks pretty solid, then, you know, it's like, eh, maybe not, you know, <laughs> right. doesn't mean you don't have problems, but it may not be related to that. So, you know, everybody, we have a focus on gut health and, and healing the gut and helping, you know, have a more diverse uh, microbiome. But in some people that, you know, have more flagrant uh, leaky gut, then obviously the, you know, the protocol for supplements and things like that that you put together for them might be a little bit more intense around intestinal permeability because you have a, something that you need to fix. Well, what, you know, let's talk about that. What would be your uh, protocol around somebody that you've 
you know, fairly strongly identified intestinal permeability. So we use spore-based probiotics like we talked about. Um, I love one of my secret things is um, serum-derived bovine immune globulin. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't even know about that, believe it or not, but um, that's, a, that's a great product that I find very helpful yeah. um, with a lot of people. Um, in you know, prebiotics, there's zinc carnosine. Um, what are uh, your go- prebiotic go-tos? Um, you know, uh, so Microbiome Labs actually has a, com- they have this whole um, protocol for uh, healing leaky gut. So they have a prebiotic um, supplement as well. So I like that. Sometimes people don't want to take too many different things, so we may find a symbiotic for them to use, which is a probiotic with prebiotic mixed in together. Um, so there, there are things like that that we can use, uh, use L-glutamine. Um, uh, so sometimes we also use bovine colostrum. So I, I use that a fair amount as well in my practice. Um, I don't know if you use much of that at all or not, but um, colostrum? I find, yeah. I find that um, that can be pretty helpful in people with their symptoms. A lot of the refractory people that have, uh, you know, refractory gut symptoms report feeling much better when they use that. Colostrum versus versus serum bovine immunoglobulin or either? Yeah, sometimes I use them both, actually. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're coming from two different places. Yeah. Although they both have immune globulins in them. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think I, we underuse colostrum here. I think just because we're... You know, we do a lot of, we see so many food allergy and food sensitive patients here. I mean, we're mm-hmm. sort, sort of a, a, a bit of a focus just because that's what I teach them in the immune module at IFM. And so we just sort of tend to have a lot of allergy folks here. And so we're pulling yeah. them off of dairy. And to that end, we, we're, we're fairly conservative around using colostrum. Although I think we're, ex- we, we are on the side of excessive caution. I, I completely agree with you in that I think it's a spectacular product. Yeah, um, but we do tend to just get the immunoglobulin product instead. Yeah, yeah. How so? Listen, you're you're thinking a lot about toxins, and I'm just curious mm-hmm. how you're what what kind of tests you're using to evaluate, and what are you evaluating? Organotoxins, metallotoxins. What what are you doing? I I like Great Plains Lab. Um, I think they do. They have a lot of good tests. Uh, I don't know what you use, but uh, they they check for mycotoxins. They do metals and non-metals and things like that. And um, I find that a good, um, at least first line type of test to kind of get an idea of what the toxic burden is. I know there's a Genova test as well that people like as well um, for toxins. And, um, you know, I think those are good places to kind of identify. I have, you know, one of the main things in finding toxins from my perspective is at first identify where the toxins coming from. Sure. You know, yeah, I, had, I had somebody with, um, you know, three different mold toxins, very high. And it turns out that um, the boat that they have was just chock full of uh, mold in the ceiling uh, because there was a pipe uh, or an air, I, I don't know if it was, it was a plumbing pipe, I guess, that ran across the top. Um, this is a big boat. Uh, and it and the insulation uh, kind of eroded, and the pipe was leaking, and the and the, the whole thing was just filled with mold. And the mold inspector said it was like the even the air quality inside the boat was like greater than a hundred times what you would even think was high. You know, so wow. you know, so using these tests can help you clean up your environment, so you can identify where problems are coming from. Somebody I had had a very high lithium level. 
And I was like, mm. are you, are you taking something with lithium? No, no. It, you know, and she did have a little bit of a tremor, uh, actually. And, um, then like a couple weeks passed, you know, and she said, you know, I was looking at these mineral drops that I take. Oh gosh. There's lithium in it. And I said, Oh, you got to stop that. And you know, she stopped taking that. And uh, a couple weeks later, that tremor went away. So Jeez, that's so fascinating. It must yeah. have been like a inappropriate batch. I mean, usually yeah. they're pretty conservative with lithium, <laughs> you know, in an over the counter <laughs> mineral combination. Yeah, I know. I know. Maybe she was scary. taking too much. I, I don't yeah, know, yeah. you know, but at least yeah. it can help you do that. And then, you know, you know, I talked to them about, you know, um, using things like NAC, milk thistle, vitamin C, glutathione, you know, uh, sauna. I mean, we talk about, you know, all these kind of things as well too, but it helps you understand your environment. I think people get a great appreciation for how things around them can affect their health because I think we take that for granted a lot too. You'd be surprised. I mean, you know, even if you think that you live near the ocean and you don't have any toxic exposures, you're going to have something. Something's there. <laughs> and glyphosate is the craziest one. I mean, I checked glyphosate too, and that's part of, probably one of the reasons why I started using Great Plains Lab because it's very easy have it. glyphosate yeah. level with them. And yeah. um, even people that are like, I am hardcore, organic, da 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 you know, everybody's got glyphosate. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. anybody with a zero level. Mm, I've checked a fair amount of them. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, all right, you know we've covered. I just we I could continue to ping you with questions. Um, I think, like, just to wrap up, you had sent me just ta you you had sent me this really cool paper on um, the the monkey baby paper. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to just like share 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 the monkey baby paper, <laughs> the famous monkey home. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this I tell people is like one of my favorite studies to look at, but it's not the nicest of the studies. And we'll link to it. We'll link to this. We'll actually link to this and in, in a lot of what you've referenced today in our show notes, folks. Awesome. Yeah. So basically what they did was, you know, uh, they took infant monkeys and they looked at the microbiome of the monkey at the time they were born. And then they separated the monkey from the mother. And then they looked at the microbiome afterwards. And they found that the microbiome of the monkey, with everything else staying the same, and with the microbiome of the monkey shifted towards having a pattern which we see in adult literature consistent with people who have mental health problems like OCD or anxiety, depression, and things like that. And so this really kind of hits home the point when we talk about the first thousand days and things like that, about how the, the most important time for your microbiome's developments within the first, you know, two, two, two and a half to three years. And that's very true because there's so many things that are happening that the computer is being programmed, you know, yeah. uh, at that time, whether it's related to stress, exposures, foods, all kinds of stuff. It's just like, complete information download and we don't think oh it's just a baby they don't know you know that right. you know this is happening in the background but you know they do know and their body senses that the brain sends messages to the gut the yeah. gut starts uh you know formulating around that and then later in life you wonder why does johnny have anxiety well it's because 
you know, the parents were always fighting each other when they were young and they didn't think that they shouldn't really fight as much in front of the, the kid because the kid hears everything. They thought it's just a baby, doesn't understand. Right. So stress at a very early age can certainly affect the microbiome and can actually create changes in the microbiome at a, at a vulnerable part of someone's life in the first couple of years that can last them their whole life. And it's not like, it's not like a death sentence though, by the way. So I tell people that just because that infant monkey now has more of an anxious microbiome doesn't mean that he's doomed to be anxious his whole life. I think understanding that this is a possibility, that this can happen, that this is part of the process, knowing about the person's life and experiences and where they came from and what environment they grew up in helps mm -hmm. you as a clinician understand who they are. This is going back to all the Dan Siegel stuff we were talking about in the beginning. Helps you understand how, how, how they grew up, who they are, and what yeah. microbiome they could have potentially. And then helps you understand the importance and how much you would push some of the other lifestyle modifications outside of diet in helping them uh, reprogram their gut microbiome so that they can have improvement in their mental health. I have seen so many people just with changing diet, doing meditation, exercising, all these kind of things that were severely anxious, even agoraphobic, didn't want to go outside, had complete change in their mental status and their health. And then it just kind of gets better and better as time goes on. Are you like in this arena, are you thinking about precision probiotic prescriptions? You were talking about that company earlier that does yeah. a, um, individualized probiotic and we've certainly used custom probiotics who will you know, <clears throat> customize formulas for, for our patients. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, I don't know that we're quite ready for prime time, these preci precision prescriptions yet, but yeah. do you see, do you see this as, are you, are you doing these pre precision prescriptions and, or do you see this as being something that we'll start using that it'll be a real viable intervention in psychiatric um, medicine. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it could be, I think it could yeah. be a real viable intervention. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we're like you're saying, we're just cutting the edge. This is all yeah. very new and early stuff and yeah. we may learn things and, um, uh, nothing individually is perfect, but we have some stuff that's pretty darn good these days. And yeah. if we have access to it, I tell people, you know, you're going to take a probiotic anyways, right? I mean, right. you, you know, Oh, I need a probiotic, you know, it'll help my, my symptoms. How are you choosing that probiotic based on what looks good and the store and the shelf or what you heard on TV or on a podcast? How do you know that that is actually what's good for you? Mm -hmm. Have you actually felt where you take a probiotic and you actually feel sick from it? You know, how, why is a probiotic making you feel sick when it's probiotic supposed to make you feel well? That's because everybody has a different microbial ecosystem. Everybody's right. gut is different. So if we have even just the beginnings of technology that allows us to help us understand which microbes might fit best for you yeah. that are going to be better for your health, then why not? You're going to take it anyways, right? You know, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll link to that, to, to the monkey study and you know what, anything else along these lines that you're thinking about, we'll link to the book, um, Integrative yep. Gastroenterology, and you will be presenting at PLMI, Personalized Lifestyle Medicine Institute, in October. That's yep. Dr. Jeffrey Milan's conference. And I just got an invitation to be at A4M in December in Vegas, so that's another uh, great conference if anybody's going to go to that. They have that's a lot of great speakers. 
That's terrific. Well, listen, um, Dr. Singh, it was just fabulous to spend this time with you. I've really enjoyed getting to know you, and I think uh, you've inspired a lot of clinicians today. And I look forward to meeting you in person at PLMI in October. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for for joining me. me. Appreciate it. And that wraps up another amazing conversation with a great mind in functional medicine. I am so glad that you could join me. None of this would be possible through the years without our generous, wonderful sponsors, including Integrative Therapeutics, Metagenics, and Biotics. These are companies that I trust and I use with my patients every single day. Visit them at integrativepro.com, bioticsresearch.com, and metagenics.com. Please tell them that I sent you and thank them for making New Frontiers in Functional Medicine possible. And one more thing, leave a review and a thumbs up on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're hearing my voice. Um, These kind of comments will promote New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, getting the word on functional medicine out there to the greater community. And for that, I thank you. Until next time.